In your wanderings, you stumble upon a ruined temple buried deep within the heart of the forest. Wary, you continue on through thick overgrowth until you see a clearing that was once an ancient cathedral built by people, now rebuilt by nature itself. In the center is a preserved altar, stacked with various dice of all shapes and colors. As you contemplate what this means, a cloaked figure approaches from the shadows. Welcome, brave adventurer. Have you come to roll the dice? Explore strange new worlds with new strange rules? If you seek adventure worthy of being shared with good friends, you have come to the right place. Just roll for initiative. Welcome to the Nat One Nerds Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Hey guys, this is Nat One Nerds Podcast, and we're back again with another episode of Call of Cthulhu. Are you excited, Brandon? Oh, I'm always excited for <laughs> Call of Cthulhu. I, I live for the spooks. <laughs> One read-through, and you're already... Uh, oh yeah. You've already you've already answered the call. Oh yeah, I, I'm totally... I'm all down for it. You didn't even need to convince me. I was waiting for him. But, so today we're going to be doing our character creation episode, and we have a special guest with us today. Oh, thank you very much, guys. Well, my name is Pedro. I am the head of operations of the Storytellers Tavern, but I'm also the forever DM of the Sunless Citadel and all the other projects within the Storytellers Tavern. They are currently running a D&D campaign right now, but previously they had been doing some Call of Cthulhu stuff, so we figured what better guest to have with us today. Yeah, someone who actually knows what they're doing. Because <laughs> I've read through the books, but I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> If he makes you feel better, I'm just an amateur. <laughs> <laughs> hey, experience makes the world of difference, no matter how much it is. So we, we appreciate having you here, and we're glad that you were willing to take the time to come on with us. I'm happy to finally take off the badge of Forever DM and start to actually have some fun with some good guys here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, today we're going to be jumping into the character creation episode. We gotta get someone ready to beat up with the Call of Cthulhu. Thanks, that makes me feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> so, a little bit of spoilers for our following episode with the one-shot. The, I guess, keeper for Call of Cthulhu for our one-shot will be, that'll be me, Brandon. And then we will be having Parker and Pedro playing. Yep. Awesome. As Pedro was saying... Taking off the forever DM badge, so pre- yeah. pretty excited there. <laughs> like you guys, if you've listened before, you know Parker's my DM, so I'm always happy happy to get to throw some stuff back at him. I always <laughs> my character has a punch card from how many times he's killed him. So, and of all the systems where you finally become my game master, <laughs> yeah, of all the systems, I'm you're gonna get all that revenge in just one nice spell swoop, aren't you? Oh yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> That must be that must be very refreshing for you to finally be able to do something back. Yeah, well, I DM my own groups, but whenever Parker and I have played together, it's always been him as the DM. So it'll be nice to turn the tables on him. Is is that literally or figuratively? Um, depends on your character. I might actually flip the table. You never know. <laughs> if my uh, if my character doesn't do that first by going insane, probably that's true. <laughs> you never know with Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, with this game, is an actual possibility. 
just in the table of random behaviors for if you do have a fit of insanity, I'll have one of them with a pretty large margin be flipping tables. For Parker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for Parker only. <laughs> it's a it's a special side of the dice. <laughs> Flip yeah. Table. I guess when it comes to Call of Cthulhu, there's quite a bit that goes into a character. I was pretty... Um, I was a little scared of the character sheet when I first saw it because there's so many boxes. Yeah. It's, it looks very condensed, right? Like all the informations and stuff all there together. It, it's kind of in, uh, much more information than what you expect out of a normal TTRPG, right? Oh, yeah. So before we make a character, what kind of things do you need to have, like physical materials to play Call of Cthulhu? Based on my experience, the main thing that it's needed is the core rulebook. Um, interestingly enough, you may not even need the investigator's handbook, which is the equivalent of the dungeon uh, of the player's handbook in uh, Dungeons and Dragons, because the Keeper's book, per se, or the Dungeon Master's, the equivalent of the Dungeon Master's Guide, has all that information. So only one book will actually get you all the information you need. And then the rest is what we usually require, right? Dice, the pen or a pencil, and paper. If not a computer with the P with a PDF, that also does the trick just fine. Okay. That's kind of interesting that the, the core ruble for Call of Cthulhu is more in line with the Dungeon Master's Guide in D&D. Yeah. The Investigators is more along the players, which is funny because I know, in my experience, really people in D&D, if they only had one book, it would be the player's handbook. Yeah. So I just, <laughs> yeah. I just, I just thought that was interesting, again, as since we're our, our roots are in D&D, so we, I mean, as our listeners know, we do a lot of D&D comparisons. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, when I was looking online for Call of Cthulhu information, I did find a free quick start guide. Have you looked over that? And what's your opinion of it? I have looked over that so much that um, the quick guide has a small scenario in the very end. I believe it's called The Haunted or something like that, or The Haunting. I'm familiar, um, yeah. Yeah, actually, it's a very well and a very good tool for you to use for new players. In the haunting itself, the scenario in the end is a perfect little adventure for you to test out after you try creating those characters with that tool. And it works wonderfully, actually. I highly recommend it because it walks you step by step, explains you as things go, and as you're trying to uh, take each step, you understand why. I cannot recommend more. It's. It, I think it's even for free if you find it online actually yeah i found the um the publishers for call of cthulhu they had the quick start guide up for free on their website and you just click to download it and it had i think 11 pages of just basic information on how the game was run and then like you said the haunting adventure for just a quick introduction i think the only big thing that was missing that at least we could tell was was actually how to create a character yeah character creation rules were not there which i found interesting well, it gets you to buy the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, at least it gets you to understand how to run, right? And then if you like, I think the haunting, I don't know if it, I don't remember exactly because it was a long time ago I last saw it. It may come with the, some characters for you to play with. Uh, and then you just get to play and experience it. Yeah, there are a couple of pre-generated characters. Yeah, but as a learning tool, it, I, I would not recommend another one better. 
Okay, cool. I was I was kind of wondering about that because I was like, this seems really cool, but I, I don't have enough experience to know how comprehensive this is. So it's good to know that that's solid. Uh, as for the dice you need, is there any particular dice or just any set? Because I know each system uses different types of dice. That is true. Thankfully for us, any normal set that we find on our normal local stores or even some spe uh, if you want to buy pretty ones you can as long as it has those seven uh sets of dice you know the d4 the um d6 d8 d10 d100 and the uh, d20 you got yourself set if you don't mind me going into the whole like system the dungeons and dragons is done with a uh, d20 system right everything is done with yes. the roll of the d20 dice Call of Cthulhu is actually done with a D100 system where you use the two D10s that you usually get out of the set, of a die set, and it's through percentages that you actually see if you succeed or not. Yeah, we saw that when we were doing our introduction and our initial research. I thought that was actually a really cool system because you never use a D100 in D&D, so it's fun to get to break them out. I yeah, honestly... I I honestly use the extra percent, like the actual percentile dice. I just use it as a second D10. <laughs> like when you're you're near casting a spell that uses D10s, and you go like, "Oh no, I'm I ran out of D10s." <laughs> yeah, grab the percentile. Grab the percentile. <laughs> literally, literally. But yeah, so it's very interesting. I I actually like it a lot because it's pretty straightforward. Like you have fifty percent chance of succeeding on this task. Let's uh, let's per se. If you roll below 50, you succeeded. If you roll above it, you you failed. And it's actually quite very well um, in intuitive, actually. Yeah, and I also liked the system of um, levels of success and failure. That was pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> with the fumble and the, with the hard success or the... It adds more to the, you know, like, if you get better with your skills and with the dice it feels very well rewarding to achieve the higher level of success. Uh, at least my players always love when they go, oh, I rolled the dice. This was a, uh, this was a hard success. Oh my God, yes. Or a critical success. Uh, I can't believe it. It's, it usually tends to hype, heighten the excitement in the table for sure. It feels like a more fleshed out version of getting a nat 20 on a roll. Basically, especially because if you consider the fact that you're rolling a dice with a hundred, you know, yeah, a hundred possibility, when you get that zero zero one, you know that that was one in a hundred chances not to get it. <laughs> that was a lucky <laughs> roll. Literally, it feels the top of the world. Um, the only dice for that I do need to point that out that is a kind of a unique to this system is the D3. Yeah, we noticed that. that I, I've never seen a D3 before. How does that work? Yeah. The, in where the do you book, find them? Yeah, I know, right? In the book, uh, they do recommend for you to just use the D6. And then like you can either say that 1 and 2 is equal to the 1 result. 3 and 4 is equal to the 2 result. And then 5 and 6 is equal to the 3 result. Me being like a crazy... TTRPG enthusiast and everything, I actually searched it up and weirdly enough I actually found a D3. Um, it almost like it almost looks like a sad D4. 
<laughs> doesn't really have one of the sides, and then you do okay. I'm just gonna have three sides. It, I can send you guys a picture. I was say, we, we looked it up a little bit, and all we saw was these funky looking blob shaped dice. <laughs> it looks so weird. Exactly. It looks almost like a gummy, you know. Like if you, yeah, <laughs> don't pay attention, you might eat it. <laughs> I know, like in D and D, when I've needed only like three options, I've actually used the D four, and I just made the four a reroll. Yeah, nice. which is that. I don't know. That's just that's just my preference. I mean, it gives even chance to the all three, so it works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I like the D six rule. That's that's very easy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, I know other people that do it differently too. Sometimes they, I read it online once. Uh, oh, I, for me to do the D3, I use the D6, but it's one, two, three. And then I just repeat it, but thinking that the four is a one, the five is a two, and the six is a three. So it has a few ways to get around. Uh, it's whichever works for you the best, to be honest, that's the right way. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. I like that. Yeah, let's do it however you want to do it. Good wisdom right there. <laughs> so now that we know what we need and we have a kind of basic outline, what do you say we jump into building a character for our game? That is perfect. All right. There is a few steps and uh, I'll walk with you through all these steps. According to the book here, I have it open in front of me. It's five steps in total. The very first one, is to generate the characteristics, which in Dungeons & Dragons would be equivalent to the attributes, your strength, your uh, dexterity, constitution, and so forth. Um, in Call of Cthulhu, there is actually a, fee, uh, a bit more. Uh, let me double check here. It is strength, constitution, dexterity, appearance, intelligence, size, and power. Oh, sorry, and I forgot education. When Brandon was first talking to me about this in our last episode, he mentioned appearance. I was like, well, wait, wait, like like physical? And he's like, no, it's 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 how attractive you are. It's like, it's oh. like your straight up appearance. <laughs> Which is funny. Uh, you don't really see stuff like that. I never thought that your appearance would affect your in-game stats, but here we go. <laughs> Especially in Call I know, of right? I know. Basically. Who cares what you look like when you're being chased by an Eldritch Abomination? <laughs> But that's a, I agree completely with you guys, but uh, in the game, I believe that appearance becomes a factor, mainly because uh, like when you're being chased by, an, by a, a horror or something like that, that's almost like the, the end of the story, the climax. The great bulk of the story is the whole like investigation. So you're talking to people, you're dealing with people, and uh, yeah, it's somehow... It's a lot of like a noir detective game. Basically, yeah. And considering the time period, which is the 1920s, um, appearance actually meant quite a bit because if you knew how to present yourself, uh, either you wore ostentations clothing or jewelry or stuff like that, people would treat you differently because they would imagine that you are either wealthy or powerful and stuff like that. So people would be more willing to become friendly with you and uh, that's an interesting aspect that basically only works in this game i don't know and any other game that you play you don't really need that you can just say my character looks like a massive zombie clown but but he's <laughs> the most serious person in the world yeah that's some good perspective though i like that i feel like a bard though would benefit from an appearance stat oh yeah <laughs> it's a um 
bastardized long stretch of charisma. <laughs> Literally, yes. Because that's another thing. Um, I think it's really interesting to talk about Call of Fulu. You, where you grow, where you shine the most is in the skills. So the attributes doesn't really affect your skills all, at all. Uh, your appearance is important, is like a charisma for sure, but your actual ability to be charismatic goes into your skills. But that's actually, that's for later. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting hey, excited as it is. <laughs> we got a lot to go through, so we'll, we'll take whatever info we can get. All right. Um, back to the steps really quick. Um, the step number two of the character creation is determining your occupation. Because this game it doesn't really have some things such as classes. It's not like you're going to be a fighter, you're going to be a, a rogue or a wizard. Um, in this game, you determine your skills and influences your abilities basically by what you do as a, as a person, as, as your occupation, your profession. So that basically guides your character about how you're supposed to orientate yourself if you are a police officer there is the set of skills that comes with the police officer occupation and that molds your character and what they can do or a professor or a clergyman there is way too many <laughs> occupations to list them oh, we were looking through the list and there are so many and there are some really funky ones too mm -hmm. indeed yeah and then as you buy other books like such as adventure books or scenario books or specific theme books uh, i one of my favorite theme books here that i have on on my person is the dark trails which is basically a western um ad addendum to this game and it's beautiful because it has gunslinger and lawman and stuff like that it only adds more occupations as you buy additional content <laughs> that sounds legitly awesome actually oh yeah <laughs> well i was well, i was thinking we're both from arizona so i was thinking it might be kind of fun to see if we could adapt some sort of like a western desert themed like eldritch call of cthulhu adventure so yeah. i might have to look into that book it i recommend it's really good and it has so much content there my favorite part of that book is actually the historical part i'm a bit of a history amateur like i really enjoy reading about history and stuff and there's a segment in the book that is literally just the history of the old west in america and uh, with the gold rush the the exploration of the west and it's so interesting and uh, i can't wait to play it myself but i have a uh, there are a few priorities to do first <laughs> yeah so okay so we've got determining your characteristics, uh, your occupation. What's after that? After that, we have decide your skills and allocate your points. Um, this is basically how you shape up your character because your occupation will give you points. And uh, these points you're going to put into the table of skills, uh, which is the biggest part of the character sheet. And... Depending on your occupation, they're going to give you a list. The best way I can compare to Dungeons & Dragons would be when you're choosing um, fighter, for example. And then they say, when you are a fighter, you can get four out of these skills to be your proficient, um, your proficient skills. And you get that proficiency bonus. Um, it is very similar to that. 
but instead of just picking one and that's your proficient skill, in here you have a determinate amount of points and you're going to say, I'm going to put five points in shooting with a handgun. That allows me to have five more percentage for me to be able to be able to shoot something, you know? Um, and that's basically how it goes uh, with this step. You just, you're going to have to look it up, see what your character would fit with, look at your occupation list, and decide where your character is good at, where he's not as good at. Um, step number four, it is create your backstory. And in my opinion, that is the most difficult part because everything beforehand is very, like, you just get to pick something. You have an options in front of you, you look, you see if you like one, you pick that one, and then you start shape up your character. This one is the most difficult because now you start to add uh, context to your character, who he is or she is. Um, how is their story? If they have anybody important in their life or... Is there any location that is meaningful to them and so forth? That part, in my opinion, is the part that can be a little bit difficult because it requires you to sit down and actually think about your character and consider, like, deep thoughts are, <laughs> comes in this step. Yeah, um, I find that interesting because the backstory has always been my favorite part of character creation in TTRPGs because everything else is like, there's so many decisions. I almost get decision paralysis from just, what do I do? <laughs> But the backstory, I'm just like, whatever the heck I want, the world's my oyster. And I can just write something out. But I also like writing, so. I do have a feeling you're going to love that, st that step. <laughs> <laughs> I also enjoy writing. So, because I feel like with the, especially with the Call of Cthulhu, since it's, it's there's so much um, psychology involved in it, like, the backstory is even, even more important to flesh out. Because, like, with a D&D... There's a reason why so many classes get stereotyped because it's just kind of the go-to. Rogues are always yeah. edgy and they're orphans and they lost <laughs> their family. The bards are always over, uh, <laughs> over horny kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the backstory in D and D is just kind of you're there for fun and you just make up whatever you want. But Call of Cthulhu, I feel like it actually matters. Mm -hmm. Indeed. It it actually matters, and it might even save you, depending on the situation, actually. But yeah, and the final step is to pick your equipment. And funny enough, based on my experience with my players, this step was actually the hardest out of all of them. Because really? Yeah, funny enough, the problem with this step is the fact that it's literally like a paragraph. And the paragraph is... Think about what your character would have and write it down. They don't have it any like basic packs or suggested starter items like they do in D&D? Not at all. If no, like you the imagine... pack you take, you know you have rations, ball bearings, and rope or whatever. <laughs> Literally nothing. It's just, hey, if your character has a Mercedes, <laughs> I guess they have a Mercedes. Of course, they do say like, hey, if you're Make sure it fits your wealth in the setting exactly if you have a lot of wealth then go bananas you're you have a you have a yacht then fine but if you're not as wealthy then they ask you like be realistic with your character but basically anything you want like if you want to say that your character has a revolver right from the get-go um as 
as long as the dungeon master or the keeper is okay with, there's no reason why not to. Okay. And just out of curiosity, is there a form of like character progression stat-wise in Call of Cthulhu, or do you just make your character and then that's your character? You got it on both accounts, actually. Because this is a one-shot, it's very easy. It's very likely going to be just we make the character and that's just it. But there is a character progression, yes, and it has to do with your skills. The more you use your skills, the better chances for them to improve. And that's basically how you level it up. For example, if you are trying to charm a shopkeeper in order for them to lower the prices or to give you a hint about a client that happened to be there a few moments ago, if you succeed in that check, you can mark a little checkbox beside the skill specifically that you used. And that's an indicator that in the end of the session, you can make a improvement role. And if you succeed on the improvement role, there you go. You add more percentages to that skill, and that's how you increase your characters. You level up, per se. Okay, so there's no like leveling system, though? You don't like, you hit level two or whatever? Yeah, this is not a level-based uh that uh, uh, level-based game actually this is okay. a skill-based game and uh, the better your skills get basically is how your character improves and becomes stronger okay i like it it's very unique some people may not like it some people may like it even more because the you basically allow yourself to customize your character in a deeper way because it's exactly what they are good at that you're improving. Yeah, you're building your character over time instead of just waiting till your DM hands you a level up. Exactly. Which I personally really like it, but I do understand that it's maybe a little bit too outside of the scope of Dungeons and Dragons and other um, more uh, mainstream games. Yeah, you don't end up playing a campaign for 18 months and then you're still only level six. Because, you know, exactly. that's actually. I feel like you're uh, making implied pop shots at me or something. (laughs) Actually, I read it once on a review when I was first starting to get this game. And uh, one of the people that was reviewing the game when it was just releasing the 7th edition, which is the one I believe we are using, right? Yeah. Yes. The the person that was, uh, like, the critic that was reviewing it, he was like, it is so interesting that if you think about it, your character is at its strongest when you create it. Because as they go through adventures and scenarios and investigations, the more they are exposed to the horrors, the dangers, the uh, like the monsters, they will start having scars and traumas and certain things that they won't be able to heal as often. So... You, the longer you play a character, the weaker the character gets in a, in a specific point of view because they just go through so much punishment. So it's, it's very interesting to think that the, when we finish our characters right now, or in this recording, this is going to be the strongest our characters are going to be in its totality, if you think about it. Oh, man. Poor Donald. <laughs> Well, with all of that laid out, how about you say we jump into it and let's put some stats and everything to this guy. Perfect. All right. 
going back to step one, let's roll some dice because when you determine your characteristics, the game's default way to determine those is by dice rolling. And that's a very, very good way to use it. Some people are very lucky and they get really well with it. There are alternatives too. So if you guys, what do you guys would like actually? Do you guys want to roll the dice and see what you get? Or do you want to We always roll. Yeah, (laughs) we're we're big fans of letting the dice decide. Beautiful. All right. Hence the not one nerds because sometimes it doesn't turn out too well. We we usually roll. (laughs) Awesome. All right, then. If you're rolling, let's go with stat number one, which is strength. For All that, right. please roll for me. Three D6s. Let's see how strong Donald is here. Oh, Not bad. Yeah, that's pretty good. Do we add it up? Yes. Add okay, the result. So that would be it. a total of 13. Perfect. Now you multiply it by five. Oh, 13. Oh. Uh, calculator. I don't feel like doing math in my head. I'll say one of us is a psychology major and one of us is an English major. Neither of us do math. So that's 65. That is your result. 65. You can put it on the big bots beside the uh, STR symbol, I think. Okay, cool. All right. And be ready because that's how this, <laughs> the, how these stats are made is you multiply by stuff. Do we write the 13 anywhere on the sheet or do we just discard that? Discard that. You, okay. your, uh, the main result is the very end one with the multiplication and everything. Oh, it makes sense because cool. we're using percentile. So. Yeah. Okay. The, okay. Cool. Right. All right. Which Const- one's next? Constitution. Go right ahead and roll a 3D6 again. Okay. I'm rolling at least better than we did with my DD character. <laughs> that's a 10. 10? So that's easy 50. Exactly. And that's your constitution. Okay, I feel like that's not horrible. It's like right in the middle. All right. For dexterity, same thing. Three d sixes multiplied by five. That's uh, another ten. Perfect. Sweet. For fifty for dex. All right, I'm gonna roll a few of these. Okay. Which one's next, boss? Or appearance, go for it for three d sits with oh a multiplication of five. Don't make, don't make them ugly. Uh, that's an eleven. Okay. All right, so fifty-five. Not bad. All right. Uh, now for intelligence, we do get to change things a little bit. Uh, okay. you roll two d sitses, then you add sits to it, and then multiply by five. Oh, so you get a default six. I like that. Mm-hmm. How smart is this guy? Uh, that's a seven plus six, 13. Uh, that's another 65. Perfect. Plus and... Okay. So Same thing for... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. I was about to say is the next one uh, size. Size, yes. Same okay. thing as intelligence. Two D6s plus six multiplied by five. Oh, <laughs> Roll two ones. We're small. Oh dear. He's a little boy. Hey, I can just so get away quicker. Eight times five, that's 40. 40 for size. Okay. The minimum. We literally rolled two ones. Nat one nerds. <laughs> Snake eyes right there. Yep. 
and All right, one of those dice. you're grounded. <laughs> What's next? Uh, power. Please yeah. run ahead back to three d sixes yeah. multiplied by five. It's not bad. Twelve. Nice. Do wow. I get to like call Yahtzee? I got four on all three of them. I know, right? That's a sixty. I don't know, keeper. Do I get Yahtzee on that? <laughs> what was it? Sixty. Sixty for power. Okay. Okay. I don't feel like he's got horrible stats so far. No, not bad at all. Um, and for education, uh, two d sixes plus it's multiplied by five. Two d six. Two d six. Yes, sir. All right. Okay. He's a clergyman. Please have to. Okay. Eight plus six. Fourteen. Okay. So that'd be seventy. Yeah, I'll take that. Awesome. That that is a very well educated person. Yeah. I I would hope so. He's a clergyman, yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, some very interesting things ha um it, it's where it's gonna be decided because of these stats, if anything. Um your power or POW as it is here in the book actually are able to determine other aspects of your character. Okay. Specifically, your sanity, um, also seen in the book as S-A-N. Okay. Ooh, glad I rolled on the higher end then. I got 60 for power. Perfect. Um, okay. It, the same amount of power that you have is the amount of sanity you get. So 60 sanity? It's because we have 60 power? Exactly. Cool. Max sanity is 60. All right. For a first uh, character, I'll take that. You're, and also, your power determines your magic points. This is a very obscure stat, and not all, like, all characters actually get to use this, but it is still part of the character sheet. So okay. um, a fifth of your power is exactly the total of your magic points. So so back to the original roll, that's 12? 12. That's basically your magic points right there. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, Nat's little stat, this is not a characteristic, but they do say for you to roll for this as well, is luck. Um, oh interestingly enough, luck is an actual resource in this game. You get to spend luck points um, on stuff such as like influencing the dice roll or if you want to see if you for if you want to remember something you are lucky enough to remember get it uh, or you're lucky enough to have a gun beside you when you need it the most you know like those are very interesting resources for both the players and the keeper so if you roll good in it you're gonna help you quite a bit <laughs> I like it so what, what do we roll for luck? For luck is three d sixes and multiply by five. I'll roll one of them. Okay. We'll split it. Not bad. That's 11 times five. 55. Yeah, 55. Not bad. Oh, not bad at all. And uh, for the keeper, um, a good way to reward your characters in this game is to give luck to the characters like hey you did something really good just now get the luck point or <laughs> you get an additional luck point because luck like inspiration. basically yeah or 
Even as experience, because this game doesn't really have something like experience or money that you get. So luck is a good way to encourage and reward your players. Makes sense. Uh, all right. The very next thing that we do is age. And this one is something that the player gets to choose. You actually don't roll for this. Um, so uh, what is the name of the character again? Is uh... Donald Dillard. So how old is Donald Dillard? Um, I actually put him as 35. 35, awesome. So um, more on the younger side. Exactly. So When I hear the name Donald Dillard, I just envision this middle-aged white man who inherited his used car lot from his dad. That's awesome. I mean, I guess I can make him 40. If... <laughs> <laughs> no, it works, it works. Do I get more luck if I do that? I was just... Actually, the the younger you are, you actually get more luck. Weirdly enough, oh, I guess. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess the idea is that, like, if you're lucky, you still have. If you're younger, you have like opportunities in life to try and to experience. So, the luckier you are, kind of thing. That makes um, sense. Although for the age group that you chose, you actually get to do an improvement check on your education. I like it. I totally guessed my age right. <laughs> so, really a quick rundown how improvement checks works. Um, you need to grab a percentile dice and you're trying to go above the result that you have. So, how um, cool. you're, it was 70, right? The education or, for you guys? Yeah. So, do we have to roll above a 70? Exactly. And that's why it becomes more difficult to the better you are at a skill because you need to roll above it, right? So, because you get to improve it if you do, if you get stuff. If it is below 70, it's almost as if you already knew that it, information, so we don't get oh! to improve Nice. You got a 91. Nice. Now, you grab the D10, and whatever the result of the D10 is, you add it to the education value. On 10. <laughs> it's a one that would be knowing <laughs> how i roll it would be i would roll really good and do like it's like rolling a, it's like rolling a nat 20 and then doing like the minimal amount of damage yeah okay I know exactly so, what if you he went from 70 to, to 71. 71 all right big gains there you know what i will still take it though Big brain yeah. energy over here. <laughs> All right. So he's slightly, so he took that extra class in college. Got it. <laughs> he read one more chapter than he should have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did, he did, he did the, the bonus extra, reading. Yeah. He did the extra credit assignment. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Um, now, there is. A few other attributes that we can go into, which is, for example, um, your damage bonus and the build. Um, if you guys look at the lower, um, lower left, I think, or lower right side of the character sheet, there should be like move, build, damage yeah. bonus. Yep. Okay. Yep. So in that one. What they instruct you to do to determine these values, specifically damage bonus and build, is to look at your strength and size. 
Oh when you when you <laughs> add both of them together, what is the result? 105. 105. So according to a table here on the book, the 105 lands on no damage bonus and zero for build. Um, if it makes you feel better, though, that's the great majority of, of characters because okay. it goes from 85 to 124. Like, it's that's the great majority of characters. You gotta be a big, strong guy to get a bonus. Exactly. You actually need sure. to be like um, Mr. Olympia <laughs> level for you to get those bonuses in damage. Um, so, this is something that you see on the book itself. Um, let's figure it out hit points and health. Okay. Now, basically the same idea. Um, hit points are used to track it. Okay. You get by adding constitution and your size, and then you divide it by 10. Size became very important suddenly. <laughs> so constitution was 50. Uh, and then you divide that by 10. Yeah. So that would be nine. Um, oh, really? The both of them together, like con and size together? Yeah, yeah. con was only fifty. Welcome to Call of Cthulhu. You only have nine. <laughs> She's gonna die. You're small and frail. <laughs> um, it's Terran all over again. <laughs> yeah, our character from our D and D one shot with the five in strength. Yeah, he was mm -hmm. a scrawny dude too. <laughs> It can happen. Don't worry. Don't don't let this. <laughs> oh, it's um, all good. <laughs> and also, we have movement rate. Uh, in this game, interestingly enough, it's a little bit abstract uh, how much you get to move because it's determined by yards. It doesn't give you like, hey, you can move thirty feet. So, okay. unfortunately, the keeper will have a little bit of an extra work because you're gonna have to say, oh, this. The guy is like three yards away from you or five yards away from you. And then we get to see if we can get there. It's it's kind of weird. It's a little bit on the weird side, but it works for chases. Um, this is where chases kind of fits in a little bit better. Anyway. That makes sense. So I have the most American question ever. Does Canada use metric or standard measurements? They use the Imperial. Uh, okay system unfortunately um me being a um an immigrant i i came my nationality is from south america i'm from brazil originally wow. and then i came to canada when i was very very young um i got to learn the metric system <laughs> and that's where i'm wired in <laughs> i was gonna say it must be weird using yards when you're used to metric <laughs> completely uh my brain just goes into the blue screen of like windows whenever i try to compute that <laughs> but <laughs> but back uh, going Sorry, out from <laughs> yes exactly um so yes for you to determine your movement you actually have to figure it out the following um between your depth and your strength and size these are the three values you're going to be looking at um if both your debts and strength are less than your size, your movement is the value of seven. They just 
there is here on the table. That's how they put it. Um, but if either strength or dexterity is equal to or greater than size, uh, the move is equal to eight. We, and, so we got eight because our size is tiny. And they do have a, an additional thing here. If both strength and dexterity are both greater than size, your movement is actually nine. Oh, sweet nine. Let's go. So at least you're fast. <laughs> we'll need it with how few hit points you got. Exactly. Just run away. Exactly. Run away. <laughs> it's the Monty Python scene. <laughs> Just run away. <laughs> um awesome dip you guys just finished the attributes now it's already undone um we and now we go to occupations basically you have to go to the giant list of occupations and choose the one that will fit your character the best yeah so i'm i'm going with uh for donald here he's actually going to be uh he's going to be a, he's going to be uh a clergyman here Nice, nice. So, I mean, that kind of fits for a less physically powerful person that's more educated. Yep. I'd well educated. That's why I wanted you to roll well on education. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he's going to be, I mean, for role playing purposes, um, I'm just going to say he's a, he's a preacher. All right. So nice. it's going to be like a, I'll make him, um, I'll make him a traveling preacher, actually. Oh, that's cool. I, I think that would kind of fit I kind of the era roughly. I feel like they were still around and it would explain why he might be where he's at and he just happens to to be there when in his travels. Like a so. Protestant missionary or something. Yeah, kind of like that, yeah. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, is he more of a fire and brimstone kind of preacher or uh Whoa, I like that. You know what? We're going to let Dice decide this actually. Ooh. So I'm gonna say odds is fire and brimstone. Yeah, use percentile. We're doing call. Oh, that's Cthulhu. true. Okay, we'll do. Put that d20 away. <laughs> so yeah, we'll just say 50-50. Odds, fire and brimstone, even, kind and loving. <laughs> or unless we did it like a mix. Oh yeah, that'd, there's that could be fun too. I feel yeah, because I mean, there's there's preachers that do you know kind of the best of both worlds i guess enough flames to singe your eyebrows but it'll give you a hug after yeah hmm i don't know how to split it in thirds though so i mean why not just go with that no i kind of want to let dice decide i think it'd be fun we'll we'll say if it's a uh... up to 30 fire and brimstone 31 to 60 um gentle and then above a 60 is the mix okay sounds good good one Got a fifty-eight. All right, he's a nice guy. He's a, he's a gentle. Nice. He's got a nice preacher. I'm gonna I'm nice gonna preacher write, vibes. I'm gonna literally write nice next to the clergy. <laughs> so nice. All right. Or right, I'll put gentle. I feel like that better explains uh, his style. Nice. So, he's he's a he's 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 kind of a people person, roughly, <laughs> or at least he tries to be. Okay, gentle. Got it. Awesome. So um, now, as you concluded and you found that you're clergyman, um, you get to choose a few things because you're uh, that you're from that occupation. One of it is the occupation skills. 
Um, let me quickly go to clergyman so I can help you see here the occupation skills. Should be on C, right? Clergy. Ah, right here. Member of the cloth, clergy. All right. So, first thing first is determining your occupation skills. Basically, you have to multiply your education value okay. by four. Okay. So. Let's see, 71 times four. So the the education number by four? Exactly, yes. Oh, well, that's 284. Perfect. You have 284 points to allocate as you wish within that little list of skills that comes underneath the clergy um, section of the of the occupations. Cool. Um, Okay. That's a lot of a lot of points. <laughs> That's a lot of points. But understand too that each point that you put towards a skill, it just increases the percentage by one. It's a one per one system. So, um, okay. if you want to increase your accounting by five, you put five points there, and so forth and so forth. Um, okay. The only important thing that unfortunately they kind of put you on the spot here they don't there's no really a leeway is uh is the one skilled call credit rating credit rating in the characters and character sheet and the game is basically how much wealth you have how much money resources monetary value and so forth so mm. in the clergyman section of the occupations they say that credit rating is between 9 and 60. That nine means 60. that... Oh, sorry, go ahead. You said 9 and 60? Exactly. Okay. So, in this game, they do say, like, a minimum that you can have in credit rating as a clergyman is that 9. Okay. And, and the maximum is 60. So, you have to put it in between those values, and that comes from that 286, I think? 284, yeah, okay. Mm, I feel like as a gentle preacher, it, I feel like he wouldn't be too wealthy role-playing wise. Yeah. Like he doesn't have to be like dirt poor, but I don't know. I was thinking maybe I'm not good with math. So I'm just going to say maybe 20, 20%. That way. Yeah. So that way, but it doesn't take away from the pool too much. So I'm just going to put 20. I don't know if this helps, but uh, I just found uh, on the book as well a little table that gives you an understanding of what the value that you put on a on the credit rating signifies for you. Okay. So if you have credit rating of zero, you are a destitute. <laughs> You're a painless. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. Clothes on your back. Exactly. A little stick with a small uh, red like <laughs> cloth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, between one and nine, you're poor. Um, you have minimal resources. You're basically hitching rides and stuff like that. And you only have what you have on your person. Um, 10 to 49, you are an average person. You have okay. a certain amount of comforts, but three meals a day. But you can kind of occasionally treat yourself, but you can't go too crazy. So you're on the lower end of average. Sounds about right. Okay. So maybe... Uh, lower middle class. You know, I'll just be middle middle, and I'll make it 30, actually. Just exactly. 
just just to make it as average as average can be. And uh, just for the sake of the people listening to us, between fifty and eighty-nine, you're wealthy. You can do. You can enjoy life. If you're ninety or above, you're rich, <laughs> because I guess rich is is more <laughs> more wealthy than wealthy. And ninety-nine, you're super rich. Money is not a thought for you. Ninety-nine, you buy a tiger on Saturday because you're bored. Literally. And then you try to mount the tiger to ride to battle. <laughs> That'd be the character with max credit rating but minimal intelligence. <laughs> that sounds kind of fun. It does. I don't know how la- how long it's gonna last, but it does sound fun. Though. It'll be fun for the first ten minutes of the session. <laughs> Money can buy sanity, right? It's called therapy. It's called therapy. Um, but yeah, and uh, once you allocate all those points within those skills, um, you have allocated your occupation skills. Um, this may take a little while. Uh, I don't know if you want to go through, like, decide right now. Do that off the podcast just to make it for the sake of time. Yeah, we'll keep hope. We don't need to tell them every single one of our skills. Yeah, we'll exactly. keep people posted too on social media too. If people yeah, once we finish the character, we'll post the finished character sheet, and that way, if you guys want to see all the fine details, you can. Yeah, perfect. That sounds like like a great idea. Um, to finish it off with uh, determining your skills and allocating points, uh, we just finished the occupation skill points. These are the skill points that has to do with your your occupation, that the profession that you're working as. Um. But there is something else also known as personal uh, points or, per, or personal, um, it's a personal, I think it's called, uh, yeah, personal interest points. Um, that one is basically the same as occupations, but the difference is that meanwhile, occupations has a list of skills that you have to put it, those points into those skills. Mm-hmm. The personal interests, you can put it whatever skill you want. This is where you get to like, oh, I want this clergy to be able to Kung Fu. So you put experience points into Brawl because he is a fan of Bruce Lee, you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) Just put a hundred points into firearms and go for a God's gun vibe. (laughs) It's It's 70s Western if you guys haven't seen it. Or he becomes the priest from the Machete movie, right? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh... So, that applies to any skill outside of the profession ones, or can you add it to those as well? You can as well. The idea of these skills, uh, these personal interest points, is that these are the skills that you have a personal interest in as a person. Meanwhile, the other ones has to do with your occupation uh, because of experience, exposure, and part of the job. These ones is basically your interests and hobbies, what your character likes to do and has personally invested themselves into learning and getting better at. So how do you determine how many personal interest points you get? That is with the value of your intelligence times two. Times two? 65 times two. That would be 130. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And then what was it? 132? 130. 130. 
complete person. Oh, man, so many points. Amazing well, a lot. The areas you have to put it. There's so many skills. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. Amazing a lot. But considering that each skill goes from zero to hundred or to ninety nine, actually, it doesn't go all the way to a hundred. It's quite a bit of points too, like for you to get to that point. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm tempted to put like ninety nine points in the shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> Just be able to hit almost every freaking time. <laughs> and the name of the shotgun is, is the Salvation, right? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking short barrel. <laughs> I mean, you could always get like uh, two shotguns, dual wield them, name them James and John. <laughs> yes. Sons of Thunder, man. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, very important for me to say because this is something that I had to learn. Uh, by experience and playing, unfortunately, in the book, it was not well explained. Uh, if you guys look at your skills, like the table, you're going to see that beside a skill, there is like a parenthesis, and then there is a small value. Uh, I think, for example, if you look at the... Since we're talking about guns, if you look at the shotgun uh, <laughs> skill, there should be like a 25 beside it, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, 25%. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's very import important to say that some skills, you already have some experience on it naturally. Oh, and that that's nice. what that value is. Um, so if you go to accounting, I guess it should be the very first one. Mm -hmm. uh, this, the value should be maybe like one or something like that. Uh, on my character sheet, it has 5%. 5%. Yeah, you're correct. So that's the natural... Uh, ability that all the characters have with certain skills okay. and when you add those points either because they're skill points or personal points to it you add it to that value so if you want to put five points in accounting you don't have five percent you actually have ten percent okay and that's where you put it in that bots uh beside it the regular and uh, you put the 10 there. If oh, you wow. don't put any points in a skill, and the, you, don't, you don't need to leave it blank, you can actually put the one number in parentheses into that square, and there we go. That way, you all your skills have a value. Oh, I'm absolutely increasing my shotgun thing up to 99. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of points used, but hey, it's your hey. character. Hey, it's not as many as you think. The 25 of those are free. True. So, I don't know. I'm really, I don't know what it is about this idea of dual weeding tool shotguns. Like, it's just, <laughs> can you dual build shotguns in Call of Cthulhu? I don't know how that works. I don't know, Keeper. You tell us. <laughs> uh, you can dual wield pistols for sure. They have rules about how, like, if you dual wield pistols, like, you can do two shots at the same time, but one of them is, like, less likely to hit shotguns. You can argue that if you have a sawed-off shotgun, like, I don't know, like Red Dead Redemption? <laughs> How are you going to miss? Oh, what, I can, what I can do is I can name one barrel James and one barrel John, and then the whole shotgun is the Sons of Thunder. I like it. Yes. That sounds I don't know what it is about this idea, but... <laughs> hey, it's in there. Let's go roll with it. 
if a clergyman were to have a shotgun that he just carried around, that's I like probably it. a name he would use. I think it's perfect. Most fitting weapon in there. But okay. with that said and done, we just finished the step number f uh, three, I think, right? The, um, or is it number two? Uh, um, let's see. We've got our characteristics, occupation, and skills. That's the first three. What's number four? Number four? Your favorites, the backstory. Okay. I feel like that's one that we can determine outside and come back to that when we get to the actual one shot and reveal it then. Yeah, Perfect. absolutely. In but that I case, mean, it should um, be an interesting story if he's carrying around a shotgun named that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna want to read it about it if you don't mind. Oh, oh we'll 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 post about it. <laughs> <laughs> On the character sheet, the backstory part has to do with the second page. And the second page is basically divided into specific uh, little sections like personal descriptions, ideology, significant people. And it's by adding little, by adding to those little corners that you make your backstory. At least that's how in the book suggests. So... If you're going to talk about your personal description, they want you to go like, oh, this young man is well-dressed. He takes care of his clothing. Or, oh, he is rugged and he doesn't really care about how he uh, dresses up, you know, like to add a bit of a flair to your characters. And that's how they want to. Of course, that if you want to make a whole novel, you can. <laughs> There's nothing stopping you from really adding to the backstory. But... Not to feel confused when you look at these sections, because these sections here are just to make a bite size about what yeah, is. Yeah, I feel like it's just breaking down the backstory to make it a little easier and help you flesh it out more. Exactly, you you put it exactly as it is. Your words were much better than mine here. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to steal your thunder or anything. I'm just looking at it. I'm like, it looks honestly pretty nice. It is. And, uh, oh, very small, very small, but very important thing, too. These, there are four things here that are important in your backstory, which is the ideology and beliefs, significant people, meaningful locations, and treasure possessions. What is important about this? Uh, as you are creating a character, one of these four things should be something that is called in the book as your core aspect or core um core personality aspect um this is basically the most important part of your backstory what your character thinks is the most important aspect of their upbringing nurture backstory basically um that part gets to actually help you ground yourself when you're in danger or in panic and situations of danger, that connection to this one specific core connection will help you ground yourself. And it can be very, very powerful in a dire situation. Okay. And uh, for the Keeper, and this is where I had the most of my fun, uh, as people get insane and they go through insanity and bouts of insanity, uh, you get to change these aspects. You can actually erase uh, like a word or two or erase the whole thing and rewrite it so that you can show 
how the person is changing throughout this story, which is really, really cool. You can have a lot of fun with that. I um, like it. Oh, man, I'm reconsidering the fiancé backstory here. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly where another aspect of the core connection comes in, because that core connection is the only one the dungeon master or the keeper doesn't get to change until the character has suffered to the point that they have changed all other aspects and they are completely insane. When he gets to that point, the core aspect or the core part of the character gets to get tempered with. But until that point, that part is untouchable and it's the most important part of the character. All right. I like it. It's like a, yeah, I like the way you described it as your grounding aspect. That's what keeps you there. Exactly. So if you lose that, you're gone. Basically, yeah. Uh, in the book, they say to just draw a little star beside whatever is the chosen core aspect of your character. Got it. Yeah. All right. Decided that. And then I think you said the last step after that is determining your possessions. Exactly. It, and that, like I said, it's literally at your whim. Whatever both the keeper and the player agree on having as long as it makes sense i think that's the main criteria like if it makes sense for your priest to have a shotgun sure <laughs> we <laughs> can do it. it down but uh but but if the priest wanted to have like i don't know a gold bars for some reason like i don't know if that makes sense <laughs> he's on the run cuz he melted down the candlesticks from the church <laughs> well, in that case, I should have named him Jean Valjean. Yeah. <laughs> I dare not do a French accent, though. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the barrel of the shotgun is of silver. <laughs> hey, it's silvered for the werewolves, you know? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, this is beautiful. So, uh, aside from the shotguns, what else do you think your character would have? <laughs> You know, out of curiosity well, more than anything, you know. Well, I I would imagine um, basic supplies like a canteen, some water. Yeah, I feel like he would have like a backpack with like the the bare minimum. Knowing your characters, he has a flask. <laughs> um, you know what? Why not? I'm gonna have him have a <laughs> have a flask of whiskey here. Ooh. I'm going to actually and I think the reason he has that is that it is a I'm going to say it's a treasured possession actually nice it's, it's, it's a family it's, it's something he gained from his dad I'm going to say that his um, I'm actually going to say that his dad was a recovering alcoholic when he passed away and so he actually carries the flask not necessarily to not necessarily to drink from, but to as a, as a memory, yeah. yeah, as a memory reminder. I like it almost, uh, almost like a memento mori, right? Like, a... mm -hmm. that's awesome. That was really cool, and that's exactly you're doing the correct thing. You're making aspects of your character that have significance. So the flask, why, why have a random flask when this flask can be something significant? That's, oh, that's a very good sign of a of character building right here. Yeah. 
I'm, let's see. Just a couple other things, I think. He's also going to have a ring. Um, it's not a wedding band, but he's engaged, and it's a reminder as he travels both I to know. himself and to other people. That way, um, that way it's not, a, not as much of an issue. So he's going to have a ring, and he's going to wear it not on the, not on the traditional finger, but he's going to wear it on his middle finger to indicate how close he is to marriage. Nice. Um, I'm also going to say I just feel like it would make sense he would carry like a, some kind of crucifix. It would be a brand, yeah. Yeah, either as like a neck, like as a like a necklace, or like maybe another ring has like a little cross on it or something like that. Yeah. Um. I'm also going to, let's see, I'm going to say he has glasses, but I guess I could just put that in the personal description. Does he have a horse or any sort of pack animal? Would he be able to afford that? That's true. I don't know what, were they still utilizing horses heavily in the 1920s? In the 1920s, out that, it was kind of that, kind of that turn of transportation. Yeah. Because like. I know like World War One was the last major conflict that utilized cavalry still. Exactly. Um, so, I, which the 1920s would be short right after World War One. I. I could be wrong, but it also depends on where you were. So, for example, if you are in more rural areas of U.S., there is a higher percentages of horses still being used. Um, maybe Oklahoma and other places like that, where it's further out. Um, but like New York, Boston, and uh, Maybe even Arkan that um, uh, actual like automobiles were were more common for sure. Yeah, I feel I don't know why not. If if the keeper will let me, I'll I'll have a horse. <laughs> Just got to remind myself not to be too attached to this thing, man. Cause, uh, <laughs> I, it's definitely gonna die somehow. Have a <laughs> I'll have your horse roll sanity checks. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that would be... No. Oh. Um, I think I'll leave it there for now. But just, just to have a couple things, just to get, just to break the ice here on, on this part of the character sheet, just to kind of break some stuff. So. I think that's a good start, as it yeah. is. You know. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to filling out the rest of it. Awesome. And, um, Oh, very last two things. Um, the okay. last thing I'll just touch over. But the as you're doing equipment, uh, it's good for you to know how much money you have. And uh, close by the equipment section in the second page, in the bottom of the second page, there should be a section for wealth. Yeah, we found yeah. it. Yep. So that has related is related to your credit rating. Well, that skill that you picked in the very beginning of your occupation skills um, basically according to a table here on the book you're going to see how much cash assets and spending level you get to have based on that so how much was yours again it was 30 I think uh, Um, for the credit yeah we put it at 30 yes so I'm assuming that we're playing in the 1920s um, yeah, because there is a table here for the 1920s and a table for modern times. If you wanted to play in a more contemporary time, like nowadays, um, so for you to determine your cash, 
you do your credit rating times two. And that is literally how much in dollars you would have. I have 60 bucks, man. <laughs> Which, honestly, in the 1920s is... is that's some, a good, that, good chunk that, of change. That, that's some nice change to have carrying around. Exactly. That is actually that's not the, bad. That's, that's thief-worthy steel right there. <laughs> and uh, for your assets, um, it is your credit rating times 50. Okay, I'll write that down. Credit rating. Oh, actually, I guess I could just do the math right now. Let's see. Credit rating times 50, you said? Exactly. I just ran the inflation calculator. That's about 940 bucks in our time. Damn. Hey, um, he's, he's had some successful preaching, man. <laughs> Those donations are doing well. Uh, it's also very important to say, because these are assets, these doesn't necessarily have to be like hard, cold cash. It could be, you know, maybe the fact that you have car somewhere you know like it's it could be items that in the end amounts to become that value it okay. could be yeah. that too okay and, so uh, let's see assets was 50 times or my crypt so those oh it was times 50 mm -hmm. right. okay okay so that is 1500 that's not bad at all hey that's about as much as i made today <laughs> and uh, lastly, your spending value or spending level, which is ten dollars. Um, very interesting here in this game, um, is that they don't want you to really spend time like thinking, oh, I'm gonna spend two dollars on this, or oh, I'm gonna buy this for five dollars. Let me take it off my cash. Like they don't want you to start actually doing calculations to that extent. So in the game, they say. As long as you don't spend more than $10 a day, you don't have to touch your cash or assets. Oh, okay. That is convenient. Okay, exactly. So. Because they are already accounting that you make enough money to be able to afford spending up to $10 or 50 if you're richer and shit like that. Um, so if only you go above $10, then you go into your cash and then you go like, oh, I spent $11. Okay, I'm going to take off $1 out of my cash. Got it. If you deplete your cash, you can take the value out of your assets. Basically, you're selling something that you have to be able to replenish that cash on your person and so forth. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's the, that's the second last stop. Very last thing and this this is more of a, um, you're going to need it for the game, but uh, you don't have to do it right now. This is something that you can do it later. And for the people at home that wants to play too, um, this game has, like you said in the beginning of our conversation, the types, right? Which is the hard success and then the critical success, right? Um, mm -hmm. Those successes are determined by half values and fifth values. Basically, every single skill that you had, and even the attributes, like the characteristics, they have the base number, the 71 for your education, and uh, so forth for the others. Um, for you to have a hard success, you need to beat the value that is half of that number. So, 
if you have 71, your half value would be like 35. And for you to reach a critical, uh, like a very hard or a critical success, I think it's called, you need to beat a 14. In the book, they have a whole table for you to look and be able to get those values at a glance. So you don't have to make the calculations yourself. Oh, okay. And that is nice. It is very oh, I think everything's so easy with this. I like it. Yeah, it's actually very good. And it's very as intimidating as the character sheet is, they made it really easy. Yeah, yeah. it's just a matter of spending the time to come up with the story and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And that's where you're gonna spend the most amount of time actually coming up with that story, the the whys and the context behind it, to be honest. All right. all right. Well, I think we've got a fun character to throw together, and we'll have a lot of fun next time when we get to actually play. Uh, I assume you're working on your character, and I don't think you need our help with that. <laughs> I actually was doing it as I was helping you guys, too, actually. And, uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Nice. I did. You wanna, I was about to say, Sorry, did you want to just do like a like a... Really quick intro to kind of what you're coming up with as character-wise, because I feel like I very brief introduction, like name, occupation, and little snippet of the backstory without giving too much away. Sure thing, sure thing. So the character that I made as I was helping you guys and everything is called Jonathan Gabriel Lomatz, or Jonathan G. Lomatz. Uh, he is a young British man from London. That is currently residing in Arkan, um, Arkan uh, in the U.S., and he is a lawyer, or as known in in the United Kingdom, he is a solicitor. <laughs> he, he's quite young, but he comes from that old old money kind of thing, so he has a little bit on the nicer end of uh, of the wealthy side, but he is. He's more of a of a you know a nerd and uh, with that pompous uh, spirit behind him, he's very introverted as well. So he just he's very eager to prove himself, but he's still very shy and naive. So he he's very hesitant to be able to show off, but he he's eager to always try. Um, main story: He actually was able to find a a place to an agency to hire him from America. And after his father died of pneumonia, he said that he didn't really had many things to go for because his mother was already like, was not in the picture when he was uh, very young. And then the father died after he finished, he becoming a lawyer. And now that he, didn't really had any family at home at uh, London. He decided to go and make a new life in the in the USA. Nice. I like it. It'll be fun seeing how him and Donald get along. <laughs> I want to know how they met more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to work that out in some story generating when we when I finish writing up the one shot. So, but we really appreciate your help, Pedro, on throwing all this together. It was really helpful having someone walk us through this character mm -hmm. creation and making it so easy. Yeah. You were a great help. Man, I really thank you for that. I appreciate it. Cannot wait to to hear from you guys again and to to play with you guys. Oh, absolutely. I know. I'm already excited. Even though Donald's probably going to die, 
I'm excited to see what kind of blaze of glory he goes out in. <laughs> it was fun doing our character creation. Hopefully you guys were able to get a good grasp on how character creation works in Call of Cthulhu through that in-depth tutorial. Thank you to Pedro. Hopefully we'll get to see you guys again when we do our one shot. Mm -hmm. It'll be super fun. We're definitely looking forward to it. We'd like to encourage you guys to check out the Storyteller's Tavern. That's where Pedro's from. You like to tell him where to find you guys? Yes, you can find us on YouTube, Google Play, as well as uh, Apple Podcasts. We have almost everywhere Spotify. So feel free to check out, check us out at Storyteller's Tavern. We have a little Kolokofulu scenario called Hotel Hell that was super fun to do and to play. Now the Sunless Citadel, that is our current game. So I hope you guys like some very crazy storytelling. I thank you guys for having me here. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Nat One Nerds Podcast. If anybody prefers email, you can email us at natonenerds at gmail.com. We love to hear from you guys. I'm sure the Storytellers Tavern crew would also love to hear from you guys. And if you guys are enjoying this podcast, feel free to leave us a five-star review on whatever catcher you are on or subscribe or share. But definitely do the same for the Storytellers Tavern. I personally listen to them. Uh, Pedro does a great job DMing the Sunless Citadel and coming up with a really great adventure. And all the cast have such interesting characters. Definitely give them a check out. So. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks again to Pedro, and thank you guys for stopping by, mm -hmm. and hopefully we will see you guys next time for the Call of Cthulhu play. Absolutely. And be rolling, guys.